Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy to introduce to you my new friend, Meg Gleesner. Meg is from the state of Washington. She's a mother of eight, which to me has quite a legacy right there. And I can't wait to hear what she has to share with us today. Meg, would you tell us a little bit first about your family and your ministry? And then we'll get into the legacy questions. Hey, Sue, thanks for having me on. I love that you're trying to help us all make our lives count more clearly. Thanks so much for putting out a great podcast. And Thank you. I, we have eight kids. We've been married 31 years and living up in the Northwest, serving the Lord. We still have two teenagers left at home doing virtual school in the other room. I can hear my husband in his meeting downstairs mm -hmm. and we're just serving the Lord and, you know, transitioning through COVID the best we can and just trying to honor him, you know, kind of what you're saying, loving God and loving loving others. That's what it's about, right? That's so, so much what it's about. And you are a podcaster. And tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I have been podcasting for two years. I'm in my 50s. And hey, what better time to step out and try something <laughs> new. And so I have a podcast called Letters from Home, where hmm. we seek to bring everyday extraordinary faith stories for people's encouragement. And Oh, it's been such a blessing for me. I was actually just spent 15 hours editing an episode this weekend of a fellow, if you can believe it, whose life, God spoke to him while he was in a psychiatric ward. Wow. And he had grown up a Christian and he refused to look. He didn't want to look at his Bible. And he asked for Green Goblin comic, comics. He was reading comics and talking to a secular psychologist when God changed his life. Wow. So, you know, I love hearing people's stories and I love helping to capture them, to share them with people because testimonies build me up so much and I think it will others too. Absolutely. Um, you've probably heard Bob Goff and he talks about, he wants to share his faith through storytelling. Mm. And our faith is built up, like what you just said, by hearing other people's stories. In the old days, they called them testimonies. And that's what you and I yeah. get to do. We get to, I like today, I get to hear your testimony and what you're doing to build a legacy. And what a blessing. I am, um, I want you to clarify, why did you call it Letters from Home? Well, uh, great question. Second Corinthians 3.3 3 says that our lives are a letter written from Christ. And so, you know, I had been sitting at church and hearing this testimony of this woman, and there was only nine women there at the church. And I thought, oh, these people missed out on her beautiful testimony. I left so encouraged. So for me, letters from home, if you look at my artwork, it's a picture of a dove pulling a rainbow down from the sky. Uh, the, the rainbow's coming out of the tail, and he has uh, the bird has a letter in its mouth. So bringing a little bit of heaven to your doorstep in an audio oh. letter of someone's life. I love that. And I've always loved that scripture passage. So thanks for reminding me of it, that our lives are our letters. It reminds me of the first um, women's retreat I spoke at. It was like 25 years ago. And I, 
I sent the notes and outlines to a friend of mine, Liz Haney, who is a, a hmm. book, book editor for Max Lucado. And uh, she said, Sue, this could be a book. And I had three small children at the time, which is nothing like you having eight. But I was overwhelmed and I said, my children are my books. You know, they are hmm. the letters that hopefully uh, will be well written. It's, it's too late now, but the jury's a little <laughs> is out still but they are good girls and um it's by god's mercy and and so they are our letters but how how beautiful that you have this passion it's like you're allowing you're letting people uh have a peek into other people's testimony of god's faithfulness in their lives do you feel that way absolutely and really what you shared sue is so so true and being a little bit older now i mean i'm 53 i'm not super old, but not as old as I am. Our oldest is 30. And I'm starting to kind of what you said, see the things that we have taught our kids from when they were little, the little focus that we had, the things we're starting to see that in their lives and how they're running their homes and how they're parenting. And they are our letters. It is encouraging to us, you know, the other day, I, last summer, my, my son Josiah, he's 25. He's planning on serving in far off lands. And he said, oh, mom, you know, my four youngest, you know, our five youngest kids, he said, you know, we're, we're memorizing the book of First Peter together. And I said, no, I, wow. I didn't know that, son. Wow. wow. And, you know, things you don't know yeah. that they're doing that you try to teach them mm -hmm. is super encouraging. So he was doing that. And then also with another daughter of ours, he, he said, oh, yeah, Hannah and I, Hannah's 29. We're we're doing seven habits of highly people working on our uh, highly effective people. We're working on our mission statement, and we we went for our kids with that when they were in middle school, just mm. talking about how do you look at the world, what's important to you, that kind of a thing. So, mm. like you said, you know, the kids can be our letters as well, right? <laughs> right, or it could be a bad PS. But I um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just asked my girls for uh, input for an article I was writing for the Joyful Life magazine on um. 12, uh, 10 life skills to teach your adult children. <clears throat> I said, please tell me what, what I taught you and be nice about it because I'm sure I didn't teach you everything. And sure enough, one of them wrote back, you mean you didn't teach us how to budget, but you taught us how to pour concrete. And I said, yeah, and that was your dad's fault. <laughs> <laughs> you need to know who to blame, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of legacy, uh, what legacy do you want to pass down, Meg, to those that you know and love? What, what I want to pass down is that people would know that uh, they matter, whether it's, you know, the, the ladies in my charge at, you know, the Bible study that I'm leading or my family or the kids that are grown and married. And we don't have, we don't have anyone living in Seattle right now. We have people in Eastern Canada, Fairbanks, El Paso. I live in Seattle. We have somebody in California, Eastern Washington. So I want them to know that they are loved. They are seen they are heard and they matter and our home is always available i am always available as little or as much as they need me hmm. Hmm. when people say they want uh, others to feel seen can you elaborate a little bit what would that mean to you to feel seen well like this morning i i texted a friend of mine because we send out prayer requests to our group at church and everyone wrote a prayer request and 
one of the ladies was spending time with her, her mother in St. Louis. And so this morning I texted her and said, Hey, I'm praying for you this morning. How's your trip going? You know, like just listening and hearing what's on their hearts, what's important to them. Mm. And I think especially with our grown kids, you know, they're all so different. We have eight kids (laughs) and what's on their heart, what's important to them what they're focused on, it's different for everyone. So just how they're seen and heard is, is I'm listening. I'm listening to what we talk about, what's on their heart. How can I come alongside them and let them know, you know they're heard? I love that because I think um, as self-focused human beings, which we, that's our default is to think about ourselves until we grow up more like Jesus, is to... Yeah. Uh, kind of peg people like they should be like this person. Like, how come all my children are so different? Well, I need to listen, like you were saying, for you to say, well, these are eight different people, or these are 30 different women in my circle, that what the way they are living life is uniquely theirs, because they are a unique print uh, of Jesus. And that, and for you to really grant them that I don't know what the word is, unique ability and, and confirm it that, Hey, so one, like even my husband pouring concrete, I mean, that's a way for him to serve God. And he did teach my children how to do that on, on the mission field in Mexico, as well as in our front yard. And these are girls and they learned how to do it, but that's his value. And they value that. And they've become uh, who they are because of that. And, uh, and yet not to force them to all become contractors. I mean, none of them are, and none of them are doctors and he's a doctor, but he didn't recommend it. (laughs) And none of them for you to raise eight kids and not to pressure them uh, into being a certain type or a unique uh, reflection of God's uh, creativity. I think that is a great, wonderful legacy. And for you also, I want to add this too, because you said that our home is always available. You know, that's a big part of my mission is that we keep an open door. Can you go into that a little bit more for me? For sure. We, we live in the heart of Seattle and the housing market's expensive, you know? Yes. And so many people my age and your age, they're moving away to little affordable cities and we really prayed about it. And I had a really hard upbringing. My husband had a stable upbringing in Minnesota with a uh, farm town family and we we felt that God wanted our home to be a place that would always be here, that would be available for them, a stopping ground. And mm. every time our kids come, it's just inevitable. And they don't know that each other's saying this, but they always leave saying, Mom, we feel refreshed. We wow. They've used the word refreshed and encouraged. And they know that we are here and life is so hard and there's so many changes that we have made ourselves available and our girls know our kids, our oldest three are girls, but they all know what's really important to me when I go visit them is the dailies. And so, you know, you, you say, how do they know what's important? You know, it's well, and how, how do we choose that as a family? Well, the only thing I really care about financially is to have, do I have enough to bless each kid? I don't want to go see, I mean, yeah, I'd like to go see Europe Sunday with my husband. We've never taken a big trip like that, but the best thing I can give our kids is relationship is time 
with them. And so with any little extra that we have, it's going to be going to visit a kid and coming alongside them and supporting them and what they're doing and talking about the Lord. And uh, another example. So last week, our daughters, they're, they're buying a house for the first kid, buying a house. And they came to visit us. And our little granddaughter, Shiloh, is here and she's four and she's almost five. And I don't know that this daughter, uh, Havala, precious girl, I don't think they've gone to the to church much or anything and you know they're in a different place in their faith journey but our little but she named shiloh blessing of god and mm. so shiloh's here <laughs> and they drove down to oregon to pick up our son micah family's real important to all of us and anyway i was hanging out with shiloh in the backyard and i said isn't it amazing we were on the deck looking up i said did you know god made the stars and she said he did i thought the elephants made the stars <laughs> So I'm just talking about life, right? I do this with our teens too. We talk about daily life. Isn't God good? Look how he's provided. Or just now my boys, our teen sons, I said, can you boys pray with me? I'm going to be in this interview and it's really important. And my 15 year old looks at me and says, mom, God's got this as I'm walking into the room just before. So they hear our heart. They hear what's important to us. We talk about it. We wake up, we rise up. But our granddaughter Shiloh, the next day after I had told her that, and I had just read her bedtime story. We, we read some great Dr. Seuss books and we read some Bible stories before bed. And the next day at lunch, we were sitting there and she looked at me while I was preparing something in the kitchen. And she said, Grammy, Jesus just told me that we forgot to pray for lunch. Aww. And it was, it was just like a little, little protein snack. So I walked over and I grabbed her hands and we prayed. And then she looked at me and she said, you know, then I, I'm still chopping or whatever for dinner. And she looked at me and she said, Grammy, while I was out on the playground, I was talking to God and I was telling him all about stuff. This is a four-year-old girl who's had very little exposure. And I told my husband and the you know, tears are coming down his face. And then I called my 19-year-old who's at college in Oregon, Mike, I guess what Shiloh said. And he, oh mom, that's such a blessing. So I think our home is us. It's what we see. It's our love for Jesus. It's our love for others, always having room. You know, my sister is going to maybe move in with us in a couple of weeks because she needs a place. It's, they see our heart. Mm-hmm. It, when you just said, this is us, I thought of the TV show, This Is Us, which <laughs> I have not watched. I know everybody else in the world has. But isn't that to be our label? It's an honor to say, this is us. And what is us? It's someone who relates well with Jesus and relates constantly with Jesus. And I'm totally, I'm always reminded uh, in my quiet times that God doesn't mind that we come to him just as we are. And uh, the fact that you, this is us, is you relating to Jesus is a huge, probably the most important legacy that you can pass on. So I want to encourage you. You're doing a great job. Have you found that there have been any changes you've had to make to make legacy like this happen or obstacles that you had to overcome to make that happen? You mentioned a hard background. I'm not asking that you go into that, but did that make it more difficult or was there, or is there another obstacle that you that you want to share with us? Well, for sure. My, my upbringing was, really difficult. There was abuse and brokenness and lots of marriages and divorces and police involvement and (laughs) so much healing that needed. My home was a place of brokenness. And one of the great themes of my life, I realized this summer, is that God wants our homes 
to be a place of healing because he is there. He is a bomb. He is so good. So yeah, an obstacle to overcome, you know, when you're parenting and you, you grow up and you have parents that yell all the time and you have, you know, Oh, you don't want to be like your parents. And then you turn into your parents. You know, it just happens to everybody. You, you see all, all the weaknesses and the strengths uh, come, come up mostly weaknesses for me. It feels like I tend to be wired that way. Oh, I got this from my dad or this from my mom. And you have to work through that and see what, you know, walk in forgiveness and, and, and just humble yourself before God and say, the Lord, Lord, I need you. And it's not perfect. You know, it's not perfect. And really for me, I'm just really grateful that, you know, being in the family of God and, Mm -hmm being part of God's family and then having a godly husband has really helped us start a new thing in our family and in our generation with setting our home up again as a, as a place of love. And so that that's been even more important to me because, because of my upbringing to start something new. Mm. I love that starting something new, which is very biblical since we are created in Christ as new creatures, and here we create our new home. Everybody brings in part of our, our family of origin. I was talking to a marriage and family therapist, a believer, who said, "What do you?" He asked our group, "What What do you think is the most important thing in um, in a good marriage? Is it prayer together? Is it going to church together? Is it whatever it is?" The main thing that no one said was family of origin, and we both uh, two people coming in are really bringing in two crowded families. And of course, um, one of my favorite cards I ever saw in a shop was mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother after all. And, uh, <laughs> and even though my mother was a saint, um, there are times when she would be the first to admit that she made mistakes. And I love what you just said about humility. Yesterday, our pastor said that humility is the mark of, or really the beginning of all healthy relationships, whether it be with God with uh, with your spouse, with your children, with your colleagues. And uh, if you if there's someone listening today uh, to you and they have also had a difficult upbringing, I mean, everybody has their difficulties, but yours sounds particularly hard. Um, what, what, what practical advice? I mean, you were married to a great husband. Maybe they're not married to a great husband. Uh, maybe they don't have eight wonderful kids who memorize scripture. But what... Uh, a, can give us a couple tips that would encourage them what to do next. I think there is a variety of people at church, right? You know, depending on your age. <laughs> well, most of us, we have somebody older in our life. Find, find a mentor, mm-hmm. go hang out with a, um, a little older lady at church, see how you can help and get in her life. And I think when we don't have that vision or strength within our, ourselves, we can find it by who we surround ourselves with, the people that we are around. If your place is a place that's really hard, I'm so sorry. And that's what God's given you on your plate. And, you know, I pray that you can find healing and encouragement through, you know, being in a good girls group, you know, find some girlfriends that you can just find other places to have your spiritual encouragement for you to be fed, find a good podcast or TV show or um, ministry that you can be involved in so that you're fed because it's so important. We're not going to be able to give if we don't 
feel fed from our hearts from the word and the word of God. It and you you said that I was listening to your podcast this weekend, but it's so important. But it, um, it says that the Lord He heals the broken and hearted, and He binds up our wounds. We can find healing in the Lord, and sometimes, and especially during quarantine, you know, some of the, you know sometimes in my ladies' group, half of the ladies were so overcome with depression and discouragement and not mm. seeing people mm. that they're just struggling to get through the day. So sometimes in our lives, we're at the place where let's get through today. Mm. Let's do what we can. And then, then a few days, maybe you've got some energy. How can I bless my neighbor? How can I reach out? Like one of the ladies in my Bible study, she brought cookies to a lady down the street who had this I don't know if there was a house fire or something, but she wrote a little note with a verse. And, you know, if we each do one thing like that, two things, three things like that in a week, it feels so insignificant, but it's not because if as a church, you know, there's 200 acts of kindness happening, you multiply that times 365 days in a year and our world is getting blessed. So we can do what we can in the small ways in our home with the life that God gave us and the little ways that we can, right? Right. And not only that, it's such a healing for our own souls when we reach out to someone else when we're feeling Absolutely. down. The hard part is when I feel down, which I can, that's when you don't want to go do something. But that's when we need to sort of gird up our loins and our big girl pants and go bake some muffins or buy some and pass them out, <laughs> even to people that we are not our favorite people. And uh, the word of God doesn't return void. And so the fact that your friend in your Bible study put a little Bible verse there, we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And yet I can say, well, I think I'll just say, hello, how are you? Rather than, uh, you know, God loves you and I'm praying for you. And, uh, and yet they can be so moved. I've never had someone say to me, no, you can't pray for me. When I've said, can I hmm. pray for you? And I usually just pray right then. And they might be a little startled, but it's like the next time they want me to do it again. So that is, uh, these are some really great points. I always think too that, like you said, there's always someone older than us who, who's, and we don't really know their story until we spend some time with them. I get to spend time with two wonderful ladies this week. I can't wait. I know their stories a little bit, but I just need to ask a couple questions and then shut my mouth and take good notes because they're so, <laughs> so wonderful. Um, what wisdom would you like to share with our Welcome Heart audience on making sure our lives count for something beyond ourselves? You're, you are muted, Meg. You need to unmute yourself. Sorry about that. Uh, I just had two thoughts and I wanted to, um, I, I think it's, it's easy sometimes as, as mothers, as grandmothers, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, I really have to, yes, we want to make each moment count, right? And we have something on our heart, but also God is working. God is working. It says in First uh, Corinthians three that I planted Apollos watered, but God is giving the increase. And so, mm -hmm. I just in my home, as I love my children that are still here, as I love my children that are outside of the home, or I text them or encourage them, I 
I have this sense in my heart. There's a peace about it. We don't have to be so stressed like, oh no, how's that grandkid going to turn out? What about <laughs> this? We can, we can it's pray true. for all these. <laughs> exactly. We can pray for all these things and have that sweet rest in our soul and our spirit that God is working. He loves them more than we do. And he is preparing a place for them and for us in heaven. So as I live my life, ready to meet Jesus, loving him every day, buying up those opportunities. Like you said, those are uh, uh, knowing and showing the heart of God. That's, that's what counts, right? As we're doing that, we can just have that sweet rest that he is working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as women, we can get really uh, uptight and one more pressure. We don't need one more pressure. We have eight or three, um, depending, or all these uh, shoulds that we put on ourselves. But the fact that we can live for Jesus is a privilege. And, but we can only do it with his strength. And that gives us the peace. Uh, people have been so upset through COVID. And then of course, the election season, which will probably keep going on for a long time, just because of politics mm -hmm. and the divisiveness that I believe it as believers that we need to be the, we should have a badge of peace. If I get upset, who, why am I different from anybody else who doesn't know Jesus? Not that I don't, I still do at times, but then I think, wait, I know God. I don't need to worry about who wins. I don't need to worry about these things. I may need to do something about it, but I don't need to worry about it. So the fact that you're leaving us with this really a blessing of peace, Meg, I mean, I don't know how you can stay peaceful with all those children, but uh, I think that's a gift from God. Our children are gifts from God, but then also peace is what we need. My husband's good at saying, don't worry, they'll come around or whatever it is that I'm worried about. <laughs> and that's a, a huge blessing to me. Any last minute uh, wisdom you want to leave with our audience? Yes, I think in this day that we live in now, this has been one of the great themes on my heart this summer is before, right, with all the internet and stuff like that would affecting our kids and grandkids and just our community, people are alone and people are mm -hmm. isolated. And then you add the pandemic on top of it. And you know what I have, it's really been on my heart that what, people, it's so important for people to see us, to be seen. So, you know, I think about when our kids, you know, my teenagers see my husband and I, they see our love for one another. They see us interacting. They see us working on a problem. They've been doing school in a closed bedroom. They are not around people. So the impact that we have when people get to see us, they see that peace in our hearts, you know, and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. They see the peace in our lives. They see our love for Jesus, or they see us make a mistake and ask forgiveness, right? Or right. I think it's so important in this day and age that we live, that we continue to help people be seen and to be around them as we can, you know, in safety and whatever, however we can lovingly and safely uh, be in people's lives. Mm -hmm. That impact that we have is a lot more impactful than before. So mm -hmm. we need to be mindful of that, or if it's FaceTime or whatever, maybe even getting over the technology of learning how to do some of that stuff so your grandkids can see you. Mm -hmm. So that visual that. impact is lacking in all of 
lives and we need to really make sure we're doing what we can. Yeah. You know, I haven't thought of it that way. And that is so, um, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And even when COVID might be over, hopefully soon, um, to really ask God for the creativity to be seen, not to show off ourselves. Of course not, because mm-hmm. that always lands in disaster. But <clears throat> to ask God to have the right person see us at the right time. You know, Amen. What, you know, God says, you know, not to give your money so everybody looks at you and says, oh, you're a great person because then you've gotten your reward. But let's say God has led you to, I mean, I was remembering one time I was on my way to the post office to send muffins to my girls because I still send them treats even though they're adults. But there was a guy sitting in the corner and I thought, here's some warm muffins. And I handed them to him and he goes, God bless you. Well, who knows who saw that? Not that they wouldn't know me, of course not, but hopefully they would think, oh, this is something they could do or that God loves them. And I just had to turn around, go home and get some more of those muffins to send to my girls. But that was a privilege for me. But who, you know, we don't know who's watching. Of course, we, we live and work and podcast for an audience of one. But I just love it, Megan. And you've really ended this whole thing the way you began because we are letters and people are reading our lives. And by God's mercy, may they read that God loves them. So thank you so much for your time today. I've so enjoyed getting to know you. And I know my audience will be blessed. Thanks, Meg. Thanks for having me, Sue. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.